0: Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks.
1: This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans.
2: Hey NASCAR fans. Welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam Renee and Front Row Kenny. Tam, Kenny, how you guys doing?
0: I am I won't say most excellent because I usually do say most excellent. I'm kind of in a somber mode, but I don't want to start the podcast on a somber mode, but that's kind of how I'm feeling. Kenny, what's up with you?
1: I am feeling like probably exactly the same as you. I'm like kind of 50-50 today, but I'm going to make sure we give it all the energy we got. I promise you it's not going to be an episode where it's like everyone's in a down mood, but I feel the same sentiments as you.
0: Renee, you are the comedian of the bunch. You are always in high spirits. So make us laugh, do what you do best. I don't know. Bring us (laughs) up a little bit.
2: (laughs) I know, you know, I'll tell you something. And and I think our listeners will will agree. This was probably the one time where I have to say, I was trying to figure out a way to uh, start the podcast. And and even as we talked yesterday, you guys, and remember, we were going to try to record yesterday and and there was just no way. I think uh, all three of us could even muster the energy to get up and and actually get on it and start doing a podcast and i tried so hard today you guys trying to figure out how am i going to how am i going to try to be the one to uh help this podcast get some energy going but i think our listeners you know, and you guys would agree that that uh, this is a tough one. You know, this is a tough one to kind of bring energy. So I have to tell you, this is going to be a, a tough one all the way through. But, but we're going to make it happen, not just for ourselves, but for our listeners. Uh, because uh, despite what the obvious is that we're going to talk about, there were some... I thought there were some good things that, that happened in that race yesterday.
0: I don't even know where to begin. So even starting on Sunday... There was this hype, the season is officially here, our Super Bowl of racing, our big race, the Daytona 500, and then we're let down because it took 20 minutes for them. Legitimately, it was 20 minutes from the time they fired the engine till when they ran a lap. And then we got, what, 19, 20 laps in, and then it was rained, and then it was postponed, So that was like a huge letdown. And then, you know, you had to muster up the energy on Monday, which was yesterday, because we're recording this podcast on a Tuesday and you guys will hear it on Wednesday. But we had to gather ourselves and get back into the whole spirit of racing. Really, I personally thought it was a great race, but then the last lap just kind of canceled out everything. We didn't, well, we did talk to you, Renee, just a little bit, but I called Kenny and I know Kenny was trying to work, but I just needed somebody to talk to. Like, it was the craziest thing. Like, I felt like the NASCAR family came together, but I just found myself really needing to talk to someone who was close to the sport. And I could have called and text a bunch of as you know, the word sources was being thrown around a thousand times on Twitter, which drove me absolutely bonkers. And Kenny knows what I'm talking about. But I found comfort in speaking with Kenny. So thank you so much for being there because I'm supposed to be mentoring you. However, you were kind of like my shoulder to lean on in a time of just uncertainty. Like, I'm not best friends with Ryan Newman. You know, he's actually one of a few drivers that I have not interviewed, but I've talked to him and I've met him and said hi and bye and passing on several occasions. It just, it, I don't, I don't, I don't want to bring the energy down, but I just kind of felt that I needed to say that. So thank you so much, Kenny, for being there for me yesterday. And Renee, we talked to you a little bit on text message and I know. Mm -hmm that you were having a moment, because you were driving, and you were like, okay, wait a minute, like, this this is a lot, because I know I you watched the race at work, and then was trying to get home, so it, it just was a bit crazy. Kenny. I don't know if you want to share your thoughts, and then we can kind of go into the race. I don't know, it's just a tough one, like, how do we start a podcast based on this?
1: Yeah, like, I just think it was a pretty crazy moment. Like, I explained this to a lot of my friends. Like, a lot of my friends that don't really watch it, watch NASCAR like that, reached out to me and asked me about what was going on. The did, I know what was going on. You know, I only knew just as much as some others did. So it was just an insane moment, for one thing. And I just, I think the thing that kind of dawns on everybody is just the fact that that moment of reality kind of kicks back in where you realize, like, okay, I know we've seen crazy crashes before. We've seen flips. We've seen a car in a catch fence. You know we've seen things like that happen, and a guy walks away with no injuries or bruised tailbone like Austin Dillon did before. But it was it was shocking. But it just kind of reminds you again of how you know racing. No matter what you do, and no matter how far you've come in safety, the element of danger is something that just doesn't go away. No matter what, it just absolutely doesn't. So I mean. It, it had my stomach turned, and I'm not even going to lie. I mean, even when we talked on the phone, even, you know, as calm as I might have sounded to you, maybe, you know, my stomach was just turning. I just couldn't really, you know, operate. I didn't want to go to sleep until news had came out last night. And I, I still didn't sleep all that great yesterday, but, yeah, it was um quite a moment for the sport. But I did think it was pretty cool to see a lot of people, for the most part, minus those throwing out the sources, like you said, you know, come together and just kind of realize, like, you know, Even if we don't know them, you know, we haven't seen that person or interviewed that person. For example, we see the same drivers for 38 weeks straight. So it's almost like we're watching a family member. We watch them every weekend. And that's just what our dedication is. And as fans are, you know, it just goes like that with any sport. But yeah, that's just kind of like what I'm thinking at the moment.
0: It was like I couldn't get off of Twitter. It was the craziest thing. And I think what what made me upset was that there was no coverage. It. You know, because the race was postponed and we raced on Monday, my local channel, Fox, my local Fox station went to the five o'clock news. And I was like, wait, they didn't even properly end the show. It was like in the middle of everyone trying to figure out what was going on. Next thing, they didn't even go to commercial. They just went from the NASCAR race to the local five o'clock news, which pissed me completely off. So naturally, <laughs> yeah. Like anybody else, I said, okay, let me turn to Fox Sports 1. And there's college basketball. Nobody, I don't want to see college basketball at this very moment. Like, give me some NASCAR. And then, Kenny, you mentioned it and some other people on Twitter were like, okay, well, NBC is going to come on with their coverage. No NBC coverage. Like, we had no place to turn except the Twitter. So this is why I will forever love Twitter because of moments like this. (laughs) I found out Michael Jackson died on Twitter. I found out like all the big moments on Twitter. And then of course, I told Kenny, if it's not on TMZ, then it's not official yet. You know, I always make that joke, but TMZ finally got to the story. But there was like a good hour and a half or two hours of like radio silence and no pun intended, because I know that kind of came off a little crazy, but it was a bit wild. On that note... We are very grateful and happy, and I say grateful because I really, truly mean that from the bottom of my heart, that can all say that we're grateful to hear that Ryan Newman, as of the recording of this podcast, is alert and talking. Yes. I feel like I don't want this whole episode to just be about Ryan. I don't know if we should discuss some of the tweets that came from drivers, or should we... Go into the top 10. and
2: Yeah, why don't we go ahead and go to the top 10, Tam? Uh, I think that'll kind of help segue everything else, I think, after that.
0: Okay, well, at this point, we all know Denny Hamlin was the winner of the Daytona 500. It was a back-to-back win because, if you guys recall, he won last year. And Blaney, Ryan Blaney, and I feel terrible for Ryan Blaney because... He, it looked like he was crying at one moment. I'm, I don't want to be quoted on that because I'm not 100% sure, but from the looks of the footage that I saw, he was totally distraught. He came in second. What's been overshadowed again, like I'm trying to use my words properly. So maybe overshadowed is not the correct word, but what's, I don't know if I should say overlooked, but Chris Busher actually came in third. So that was great for him. David uh, Reagan came in fourth. Kevin Harvick came in fifth. Clint Boyer, my man, came in sixth. Brendan, gone in his last Daytona 500. And Brendan gone with the (laughs) backflip. I don't know if that was a backflip he did off the truck after driver's intro, but it was some kind of crazy flip. He came in seventh. Corey LaJoy came in eighth. Believe it or not, Ryan Newman came in ninth. and. Kyle Larson came in 10th. Notables, John Hunter Numachek came in 11th. And I guess, well, it wasn't, you know, Daytona is one of those kind of races that it, it really isn't any notables or aren't any notables. But yeah, we all know that Jimmy Johnson basically... In his last Daytona 500 didn't even come in top 20. And there were 17 drivers on the lead lap at the conclusion of the race. And a lot of that was because, what was it, 16, 19 cars, something like that were taken out in in an earlier accident. And, oh, Ricky Stenhouse, who led a bunch of laps and was our pole sitter, came in 20th. And one big notable Daniel Suarez didn't even race because he did not qualify. And that was huge. It was huge for NASCAR because I felt as if, not that the sport needs him, but the sport needs his fan base. So I'm sure there was some type of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not ramification. He brings a different type of fan base. And did they watch is the question. Did they care since Daniel wasn't in? I think that that was a notable for me. And then lastly, Kenny, we talked about it. (laughs) Daniel's team needed the money because this was a huge purse. This is actually NASCAR hasn't published the winnings in years. But now this year, NASCAR is going back to publishing the purse and the driver's winnings and this was like if i'm not mistaken it was like a record purse yeah he got none of that. yeah he got none yeah. of the coins out of the purse
1: <laughs> you want to know the crazy thing about that is gordon mentioned this a couple times on the broadcast was like coming in last place even there will yield you like three or four hundred thousand dollars like that's a huge huge amount of money for a smaller underfunded team so yeah, you know, it kind of sucks that he didn't make the show. But I do want to also add this as well from the notables. Is Thinking about the person who came in A place, Corey LeJoy, with his uh, accident as well. You know, he was part of that big wreck on the last lap. I mean, he took a hard hit. I'm not sure if TV saw it, but I saw a couple pictures like, you know, uh, come out afterwards, like him out of his car. Like he looked like he was at least had the wind knocked out of him, if anything, from that crash. I mean, he felt the same way as Blaney, too. When he talked in his interviews, you know, it was nothing he can do about it. But, you know, he felt bad because, you know, he was the one who hit him. But, yeah, it was um, pretty crazy.
0: Question for you, Kenny, since you are our historian. We ran a poll and the poll said, hashtag NASCAR talk. 2020 has a strong rookie class. Who will have the best finish today at Daytona International Speedway? Hashtag Daytona 500. And this was a poll that we ran on Twitter. 27% 27% of the voters said Cole Custer, 43% said Christopher Bell, 23% said Tyler Reddick, and 7% said John Hunter Nemechek. Now, clearly, that 7% was right on the money because John Hunter Numacek, he came in 11th at Daytona, and he came in or placed before any of the other rookies. Can you run down to us where the rookies placed at Daytona 500?
1: Yeah, so like you said, he was the highest finishing rookie. Then Brennan Poole came home in 16. He was not an, another one that wasn't listed on the poll, but he came home in 16. Christopher Bell had a pretty good car, but he got kind of caught up in that next to last wreck. He finished in 21st. Then Tyler Reddick finished in 28th. I believe he was also another person that was involved in that pre-substantial wreck that took out about 16 to 17 cars. Then you go a little bit further down the list. Cole Custer came home with 37th. He was also taken out in a wreck. And then Quinn House was also um, a part of a wreck, I think, with Timmy Hill, if I'm not mistaken, or, B- or B.J. McLeod, whichever one it was. One of the Rick Ware cars. They got into it at the end. So he ended up being, John Hunter ended up being the highest finishing rookie in the Daytona 500 this year. I'm not sure if that'll indicate a full-on success for the uh, full season, but my rookie of the year pick actually is Cole Custer.
0: Well, of course, we know that as actually Sean O'Rourke on Twitter, his user is G E A R R A T I O. I think that's gear ratio. He said, I threw a dart for my pick, and that's all you can do for Daytona. So, and I'm not that
2: sounds about right.
0: Exactly. Like, I'm not in no way indicating, or the poll wasn't to indicate where the rookies will place in terms of voting the Sonico Rookie of the Year towards the end of the year where they would place. But this was just kind of a question to see where they would finish in the Daytona 500. I want to go back to Corey LaJoy because I didn't want to overlook and diminish his situation by any means. His car looked off, completely tore up in the front. And when you think about it, the mindset when you know that you're about to hit some, and it's like what fifteen seconds? I mean, I'm just speculating on the time, but it was like, okay, you're watching all this stuff unfold, and then you can't even react to do anything. That's scary. Yeah, I want to
2: make it a comment real quick. I was watching one of the post race shows, and it had Jamie McMurray on there. And he made a very interesting uh, comment about how Corey LaJoy and, and 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 how much time he could have reacted seeing Newman's car. But he said that's not the way a driver looks at, at the race. It's the last lap, especially when it's on the last lap. All they see is that checkered flag, and they all want to win. And it's obviously not Corey LaJoy's fault that he hit Ryan Newman. He just probably didn't even realize what was happening because it happened so fast. That all of these guys are just looking at one thing and it's the checkered flag and they all want to grab it and they all want to win the race. And he said, and it's nobody's fault at all whatsoever, obviously. But uh, I thought that was a pretty interesting comment. How he was saying that as a driver, you're not looking to see, Oh, well, where is the car? I, I saw it go up or I saw it go to the side. And it's not like you can just like stop on a drop of a dime or slow down and try to avoid a car like that. You just keep going. And there's nothing you can do about it, unfortunately. But uh, I thought that was a pretty interesting comment that he made.
0: You are 100%. It definitely was interesting. And Jamie McMurray was right. There's nothing that you can do. There's actually an interesting photo on Twitter of Corey LaJoy with the front end of his car on fire. And him outside of the car on his knees it looks like he's actually praying. To be honest, I I don't wanna speculate, but he's definitely on his knees with his back to the car. And the person who posted this, Vince Brent Four, or username Vince Brent Four on Twitter, he writes, This shot of Corey LaJoy, I think was all of us last night. Couldn't imagine. Hope you're doing all right today, shoe. And it's it's devastating because mm-hmm. to It's one thing to be involved in an accident, but to have a, I don't want to say a head on, but Corey hit him pretty much. It it wasn't head on because obviously it wasn't front end to front end, but it was his front end to his driver's side. And then Ryan Blaney tapped him and kind of got him turned around. That started it all. So for those two drivers, it's like you have to get over it and i i hate to use that word like so if you guys are listening to this episode please do not judge me on the words that i'm choosing it's just hard to articulate this situation but i guess the the correct word kenny is it i don't know the word like get your mind right I, i'm searching here somebody help me out like,
1: <laughs> i mean i guess it's just wrapping your head around it essentially you yeah know what i mean
0: yeah like, I don't want to use the word move on because it sounds insensitive to say, but you're racing next week.
2: Yeah. You know what? Uh, Jamie McMurray also made another comment pertaining to that, Tam, actually. And he said, you know, the the, the crazy thing is as a driver and as difficult as a situation, is, as traumatic that this wreck was this past week or yesterday. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of going back a little bit. But he said as traumatic as that accident was with Ryan Newman. He said that these drivers, because they're they're bred that way, that's the way that their mind works. He says next week they're going to get in that car and they're going to they're going to go just as fast as they were last night. And that's just that's just the driver in them. That's the competitor in them, and it's bred in them. And then that's how that's how their mind works. That's how their emotions work. So he said next week those guys, Corey Joey, Ryan Blaney, they're going to get in their cars and they're going to go they're going to go just as fast as they were last
0: night. I want to. Add or talk about one other thing and then kind of move on. But I, again, going into this episode, we kind of knew it may be a little bit somber, but I, uh, Denny took a lot of flack for celebrating. And Kenny and I talked about it offline. I don't think they knew. I knew they didn't know. And it was evident because after they found out, of course, Joe Gibbs immediately issued an apology and every interview since then Denny talked about they didn't know but of course when they found out they immediately prayed as a group for Ryan Newman and this kind of goes back to social media just being quick draw McGraw the old statement Kenny that may be a little too old for you to understand but it's a cartoon reference nah
1: I got you I got you trust me Yeah, it's,
0: it's actually a a cartoon <laughs> reference. But I felt bad for Denny because you want to celebrate, but you can't. And it's just a mixed bag of emotions because just bringing up Dell Sr., which I hate to bring up Dale Sr. because we all know how tragic that moment was. But in fact, Dell Jr. came on air and talked about it. I think he was on Fox or was he on NBC? I think he was on Fox because I thought it was odd that he came on Fox as opposed to his own network.
2: Right, which is NBC, yeah.
0: Yeah, but he came on and he talked for about 15 or 20 minutes and he shared some insight. And he actually brought up when his dad passed and how Michael Waltrip, I mean, let's face it, Mikey didn't win a lot of races, but he finally won the Daytona 500. But You can't celebrate because there's this uncertainty of what's happening with senior. I feel a lot. I don't know what words. Like, this is just a crazy podcast episode. If you are a first-time listener, I promise you, come back next week because we keep it, as the young folks would say, Crunk? I don't even know. Do they? uh, Crunk is like maybe like the word swagger. I don't think people (laughs) use it anymore. So I don't want to date myself. (laughs) But we rave. That's a word that relates to Renee's life. We rave on this podcast. It's just this topic, this this particular evening of recording. All turns no breaks. Episode one forty nine, which is crazy in itself. We are talking about a subject that's a little bit touchy, but yeah. Denny, I don't know. I'm just going to leave it at that. Let's go on to something else. But it's still like I feel like everything is still going to be related to this. I do want to talk about.
2: Yeah, you're you're right. It it, it kind of does kind of go back to uh a little bit of uh, the Ryan Newman uh, situation, but uh just real quick just touching on the Denny Hamlin thing. I did hear where that Joe Gibbs was issuing an apology, but from what I understand, nobody in the in the NASCAR family, uh, uh, the drivers, owners, crew chiefs nobody condemned them for for celebrating because they obviously didn't know it. well especially Denny Hamlin at the time he didn't know and he was just happy and celebrating because he won the Daytona 500 which I let's go back to your prediction Tam great prediction and and uh Kenny that was great info that you gave us that Denny Hamlin I believe you said this is the first time in a while that they had a, a back-to-back champion is that did I remember that the, on the last quick episode we did
1: yeah, that's correct. Last time was a uh, ninety four and uh, ninety five was the last time it was done.
2: Sterling Marlin did it. Yeah. So a uh, kudos to both of you guys for for bringing the info and for Tam making the prediction. But yeah, but nobody in the NASCAR family were blaming those guys for for celebrating. They obviously just didn't know.
0: That brings me to two other things I want to talk about. One is the start time. That was like a hot topic on social and in the NASCAR world. People. Just even Kenny, Kenny and I had a conversation offline about this, about the start time being pushed up. People felt that it should start earlier. And then it's the debate about, you know, if we have an earlier start time, people on the West Coast are still in church or doing their Sunday activities. We ran a poll and the question was simple. The debate is raging about the start time for the Daytona 500. What are your thoughts? Should it start earlier? 73% 73% said, hell yeah. 10% said, no, not at all. And 17% said, time is perfect. And I have a strong feeling that 17% or that 10% that said, no, not at all, or time is perfect, are all West Coasters. <laughs> I
1: would, it, it wouldn't shock me. I'm just so used to it being the other way around. And then once it like started to change... Is where you got stuff like this, you know, being more and more prominent to happen. And I'm just so used to, at least for a la- a latter half of my life, the Daytona 500 would end not often in the at night. Yeah, from like 2007, I remember it finished at night for like the first time in, I don't know when, I think that had it been at least the first time that had ever happened that I can remember. But other than that, I'm so used to the races ending you know four or five o'clock in the evening, the sun is setting. Like there's a shadow casted over uh, the front stretch by that time. That's usually what I'm so used to. But over time, it's ended at night quite a few times. Like in the last, you know, five, six, seven years or so. So like I'm all an advocate for it. like a two o'clock start time. I think is ideal. I'm just used to growing up. At least half of my my NASCAR fandom, I've seen the races start like the Daytona 500 in particular have a one o'clock start or a twelve o'clock start or twelve thirty start. I know on the East Coast that's good. On the West Coast necessarily it's not, but it's just like been the norm to me. And I thought it was always a normal thing. But of course, as the race began to have its have its times, so I think 06, as a matter of fact, and 07 in particular, both ended around prime time on a Sunday, which is really good for them. But I just think that having that race starting early can prevent some of these things. I'm not saying every single time we'll get perfect weather, but Again, if you look at the weather forecast from last Sunday or this past Sunday, we probably would have been good to go had it started that early and you're done with your day. You go on about your business and you go on. That's just pretty much kind of the way I see it. So, I mean, it's just funny because we were supposed to start early, but we couldn't even get that early start going for obvious reasons. And then once the race got underway, rain came just 20 laps later. So didn't really uh, help NASCAR's call. So I think it, it would be important thing to kind of look at that again and kinda of change back to I think change back to what you used to do. One o'clock start time, especially on East Coast races.
0: Personally, I don't understand how you guys can even think about the weather. Can't anybody predict the weather a <laughs> year in advance? Like I've heard all the arguments about the start time and and honestly I think that it needs to start at a decent time, which is the time it started, because you have to understand that if you're trying to make this a global sport, if you will, or even just a sport that reaches the entire United States, if I'm on the West Coast, I'm probably at 930 am going to be at church or just waking up so either way it just doesn't work and another thing aside from the time that's driving me crazy is this whole pushback on super speedways because of the accident I saw a bunch of tweets from some well-known journalists as well as a bunch of fans who don't want us to race at super speedways anymore everybody has something to say about plate racing because of the accident First of all, we're no longer plate racing, I guess technically, but we're tapered spacing or tapered spacers, however you want to say it. So that's one thing. But Kenny, Renee, you guys chime in and let me know and our listeners know your thoughts. Like I felt as if the accident could have happened at any track. I don't know. Did we even get a full lap in? Like it was a restart and. This can happen at Michigan where the speeds are over 200 miles an hour. Again, obviously it would not happen at a road course, but I just kind of felt as if people were overreacting, but maybe it's just me because the accident was truly a freak accident and accidents happen at every track.
1: Yeah, so I'm not like a advocate for like not going back to super speedways necessarily, but I do think that you probably won't see an accident like that anywhere else, but a Daytona or a Talladega due to everybody being so close, and I think also just looking at the way the packages for for um, Talladega and Daytona are now, it's really easy for a lot of these things to happen especially with the momentum you get from a run and once you go you're gone and you can't come out of a run once you're stuck and which is like a lot of the crashes that happen so I think this is what what it is there I mean we're also you know tipping in the 210 range and speed all weekend long so it's a pretty huge factor so I think that's just the only place it can happen I don't think we need to necessarily go away from them. I think there maybe needs to be more of a speed restriction like it used to be at a time that could be something that could help. So that's just my thoughts on it. But I think the most important thing right now is literally his health and not necessarily whether or whether or not we need to be going to a, a different track or not or going away from him. I think the safety factor is the most important thing.
0: Well, the car is at the R&D Center now. It was taken after the race back to Charlotte so they can kind of see what happened, what went wrong and of course, doing what NASCAR does an excellent job at figuring out how they can make the car safer in the future.
2: Mhm, they sure do.
0: Renee, any thoughts should we get away from super speedway racing or do you think people are just overreacting?
2: I think I'm kind of in a, a, an agreement with with uh, Kenny as well. I do think personally uh that uh, this was just a, a freak accident, however you want to put that. You know, I do think people might Just kind of maybe overreacting because it's, uh, because of the nature of, of the wreck. So traumatic to watch. I mean, over and over and over again, especially when you watch it in slow motion, but I don't, I just don't think there's nothing that you could have done to, or anybody could have done to prevent it. But the good thing is, is just like what the both of you have, have been, uh, saying pretty much this whole podcast is NASCAR is very good about, about taking these kinds of situations and doing their best job to find out a way to not maybe not prevent an accident but to prevent the injuries to the to these drivers you know and uh like i said going back to jamie mcmurray it was so nice to just to hear his insight from a driver who just recently retired from the sport and has updated knowledge about how when he first came in to start driving to last year when when he quit and uh it's really awesome to hear how NASCAR really comes together in, in moments like this, and how NASCAR itself d- does its job to move forward of how they can prevent wrecks like this in general. I think it's I think it's great that NASCAR does that.
1: I just got one more thing to add about the wreck. I didn't mean, I forgot to also add this in there. I think it's kind of interesting that that same measurement of safety was the same thing that. Newman went through the first time he flipped at Daytona. The Newman bar, which is like a bar within the roll cage or wherever it's located in the car, Mm -hmm. that bar probably prevented what could have been pretty bad. So it's kind of ironic that that happened. And also the fact that he's been a, a guy that's been very, very a very, very strong advocate for somehow keeping the cars on the ground, which I think is the biggest thing in this wreck. I think everything else did its job. It's just the biggest figure out point now moving forward from now to the next gen car. And I guess you could even say going to Talladega in the spring and next next fall. And same thing with Daytona again, is how do we figure out how to keep the cars on the ground in situations like this? Is it going to take Lowering the speeds, or is it going to take something completely different? Because I mean, that may be one of the biggest things I think you're going to take away from this crash, besides the impact itself. Once they go through it at the R and D center, you know, over the next couple of days, and throughout the next couple of months.
0: Just adding one additional key point to that: as we all know, Ryan Newman is an engineer, graduated from Purdue. I think that this was just a fluke accident, and I'm not quite sure you'll ever figure out a way to keep the cars on the ground completely because you think about a couple of years ago at daytona when austin went into the fence the catch fence and what what was the accident at talladega because i was at i i've been at a nascar track during two major accidents one at daytona i mean like really crazy freak accidents one at daytona and one at talladega i just remember what happened at talladega but Mm. this kind of brings me to the point of or just reflecting back on eric amarola's accident where he yeah lifted and came crashing down and and broke a couple of vertebrae in his back which is i found a little interesting too because at this point we already knew what happened with eric we know that ryan is alert and talking but his injuries aren't life-threatening getting back to my point I just feel as if it was a really fluke accident and I'm not sure there's any way to prevent the car getting airborne because the reality is he was turned sideways and Corey LaJoy came and at the angle it just kind of flipped it a little bit more so I don't know on that note I want us to forge forward and continue to pray for Ryan Newman. And because this has just been an episode unlike any, you know what this reminds me of, not comparing it, but the episode where we had to talk about race was a very (laughs) challenging episode for us. And I feel as if this one was challenging, similar to that. That is just a topic that we don't want to talk about. Like nobody wants to talk about a driver like Ryan Newman of Veteran driver in the sport who's gone all these years without anything major other than his accident in Daytona a few years ago, which is kind of crazy in itself. But on that note, I just want to remind you guys that we are happy on this podcast. And if you come back next week, we promise that you're going to laugh because next week we're going to talk about Renee's Astros. We're going to talk about Renee and Kenny's. Cowboys and how they think that they may. I don't know if you guys are moving on from Zach or you think you may get Tom Brady, or I kind of feel like Tom Brady is going to go to San Francisco, or not San Francisco. I kind of feel as if Tom Brady may come to California and join the Chargers, or he may go to the Raiders, but that's a topic for next week. So before we get into some predictions, I want to remind you guys one, We appreciate you. Thank you for listening to us. This is a crazy podcast episode, as I said before, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Make sure to hit subscribe because, of course, you know, I got to remind you we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and wherever else you get your podcast. We have a Patreon account. Please support the podcast. You want to know more about how you can support the podcast? as well as get a free center of race and postcard pack. There are notes wherever you're listening to this podcast. Just kind of look at the description and there's a link to click through to our patron account. You can also visit us at allturnsnobreaks.com. And last but not least, before we go into some Las Vegas predictions, you can find us on the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. TikTok, because i'm actually I, i'm not sure if renee's going to vegas he's on the fence but i will be in vegas for the race and i'll be TikToking. tocking out so check me out and i'll be on the twitter live all weekend well probably just on sunday i'm not sure but yeah so on that note let's talk about some predictions for las vegas it's time for race predictions renee who you got
2: all right las vegas here we come So, I love Las Vegas, and like you said, I'm kind of on the fence. I'm going to try to get out there, and I'm going to try to hope that I can get out there. But when it comes to predictions, I'm going to go, this weekend, I'm going to go with Chase Elliott. I like Chase Elliott for some reason uh, winning at Las Vegas. Um, I I thought he ran a a pretty good race there at Daytona. And so, I'm going to stick with uh, Chase Elliott as my winner, and my alternative pick I'm going to go with, I don't know why, but I'm going to go with uh, Kyle Busch on this one. Don't be surprised if Kyle Busch comes out on top, but I'm going to stick with uh, Chase Elliott as my uh, front runner there and winning uh, this weekend in Las Vegas. Those are my picks and I'm sticking with him. How about you uh, there, front row Kenny?
1: All right. So rolling to Vegas, race number two, 2020. All right. I'm going with Joey Logano. He has had a really, really good history there. And I believe he'll also be in a Penzoil car for the Penzoil 400. So that's who I'm rolling with. I think he'll get it done. He's had a really good card there over the past few years, including a scuffle with the one and only Kyle Busch uh, at one point. But my alternative pick will be Kevin Harvick, who is also a pretty good pick in the in the early months of the season during, at Vegas. I think so. And I think he's all, always also has had a really strong car. And matter of fact, SHR has had a pretty strong presence at Las Vegas. So as we get ready to roll the dice into Las Vegas, Tam, what are your picks?
0: My picks? And my history lesson, do you guys realize this is, we're starting our third year racing twice a year at Vegas, which is crazy. Because remember, we only back in the day used to race one time a year in Vegas. Now we're racing twice a year. So our past 10 winners, and I including the March race, as well as the August race, In August of 2019, Martin Truex Jr. was your winner. In March of 2019, Joey Logano. August of 2018, Brad Keselowski. March of 2018, Harvick was your winner. And March 2017, Truex. 2016, and this is March, Brad. 2015 was Harvick. I think so. I can't read my writing. I wrote this down. I wrote myself a little <laughs> note. Uh, 2015, Brad Kozlowski. 2014, my man, Matt Kenseth, the Quiet Assassin, and my main man, Smoke, won it the year prior. Whew, it's been 10 years since Smoke won at Vegas. That's crazy. Well, he's a Hall of Famer now. It, time is flying. How, how many years has Smoke been retired? Three, four now?
2: we going on three, I think, or three or four. Three. I think it's been three.
0: Okay, so on that note, I'm going to keep it real simple. I am actually going to go with Harvick, as Kenny alluded to. When it comes to the West Coast swing, you would swear that he was born and raised in California. Oh, wait, he was born and raised in California. (laughs) So I'm going to go with Harvick for the win. And my alternative, I'm going to pick Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy just, he, he has to get right his last season. So I am going to put this win on Harvick and I'm going to put an alternative win on Jimmy Johnson.
2: Fantastic. All right. Well, those are our picks. What say you NASCAR fans? Hit us up all turns, no breaks across the board on social media at turns, no breaks. And like we always like to say for myself, Kenny, Tam, we understand that this was a a very uh, touchy and most difficult and sensitive uh but rest assured we're going to be back next week a little bit more energy a little bit more enlightenment on uh the sport itself we always appreciate you tuning in to all turns no breaks and we will see you next week on another episode of all turns no breaks
1: see ya.
0: bye-bye thanks so much for tuning in